Hey everybody, welcome to season 4 of What's IGN Crushing On? I'm Karen Walby-Solomon and I'm your host and we're here to talk about what's hot in pop culture. Welcome to episode 13 of What's IGN Crushing On? Today's episode is brought to you by Syntec. Syntec is a technology company that sources and distributes industry-leading products and brands from around the world. Today on the show, we have a special guest. Welcome, Nikki. Nikki Lincoln. Welcome, Nikki Lincoln, to the show. Hi. Hi. So excited to be here. And we are also joined with our regular homie, Leanne. Say hi, Leanne. Hi. How's it going? It's going good. So Nikki is very well known on the social media streets, but like just just to introduce her, she's a content creator, blogger, fashionista, a lot of things, um, and podcaster. So Nikki, tell us more about your podcast. It's gonna be thank you. <laughs> so that um, two friends and I started a podcast this year very much on the fly um it's called the Skinner Baker podcast and we really Karen you know I have spoken to you about wanting to spot a podcast yeah. for donkey's days and we just decided like we don't really have a plan we don't know what our niche is going to be but we have all these things that we want to talk about that we mm. feel like women in their 30s would really relate to um so we just started and we've um, finished recording our first season um, I think our last episode goes up on Monday, which is very exciting. But in the process, it's kind of become this like voice of colored women in their 30s, which is a very specific niche. Mm. Um, but I feel like there is so much to unpack. And yeah, I'm very, I'm very happy and very excited with how it's grown and the response we've gotten. Mm. It's, it's cool to have this small slice of the internet where we can talk about topics that are so relatable. Yeah. So, so tell us about some of the topics that you guys have discussed so far. So, so far, we've covered a lot of dating stuff, which is not really my favorite topic because I'm not <laughs> in, in the dating scene. Um, but one of, our, one of our episodes was around um, dating when you're divorced, especially, especially for Muslim women. And mm. it was so interesting to listen to because two of my co-hosts, Shahina and um, Nabila, are both single. Nabila is a single mom and Shahina is divorced, but she doesn't have kids. And we had a guest on who's also um, a single mom. And it was just so fascinating to see because we're talking about something that, again, is maybe quite a niche audience when you're in your 30s and you're Muslim and you're recently divorced. Mm. But a lot of it, a lot of the stuff that came through was so relatable for so many yeah. other women who weren't Muslim but were single. Um, so we talk about dating quite a bit. We also talk about just, I feel like, perhaps under the umbrella of issues that are specific to colored women, like our relationships with our mothers, our relationships mm. with mental health. We had one episode that we spoke about the Hello Darling saga. That was also very interesting and ended up being more of a discussion around the role that influencers play in creating mm. brand authority and how important it is to listen to people who are actually an authority because sometimes you think like, oh, this person has 30,000 followers on Instagram. They must know what they're talking about. Mm. 
but in fact they they really have no business recommending things like skincare and um, holidays and they, they haven't really done the due diligence that someone should do when requ- recommending a brand to so many people so that was interesting but yeah we're just kind of figuring it out and I think our second season which we haven't started recording yet we'll probably start after the fast is going to be a lot more structured because we now have an idea of kind of where our strengths lie individually and also Mm. where we want to steer conversations. So I'm very excited about that. Mm, I love it. Um, And like I've been encouraging you to to go into this for a while. (laughs) But yes. um, <laughs> but but I must I I do agree that like the women in their th- colored women in their thirties is such a specific market, but it's such a market that is looking for representation, but also for for, for safe spaces. Yeah, absolutely. And I think in in and this is something that you can't really explain to someone who hasn't had that lived experience, but we're all kind of raised the same, right? So Mm. our parents, whether they fit into the more like upper middle class section of of colored communities or whether they fall a bit lower, we've all had the same kind of upbringing. Our moms carried a lot. There was a lot of stress. Um, At some point or another, there was financial stress. Um, And our approach to like being women is is modeled on what we see from our parents, from our mothers. Mm. And I think there's so much in that, that the way that colored girls are raised back in the day, like in the 90s and 80s, is very much influenced by how their moms were. And Mm. the women we are today kind of speaks to that and what we tolerate and all the many things that we need to unlearn. Um, And you only really get a chance to do that when you are exposed to it. And when someone says, here, look, this is what you're doing wrong. And this is the path to enlightenment. Like if we're going to be cycle breakers, (laughs) we're going to start today. And this is how it's going to be. It's actually so fascinating because I got into this conversation last night. Um, So my husband's white. And so his friends are generally white. And they're they're a little bit older. They're like 40-ish, like that, the older, older millennials. And he's raising two daughters and they're just about to hit their teen years. And he was saying like, oh, one of his kids has started, um, because they're twin girls, but one of them has started making comments about their body. And he, as a dad, is just like so interested in like, where where does this thing come from of like body negativity? Um, Especially because like she's so young and his initial reaction was to go, oh, it's because her mom makes comments about her body. So like, is that where it's coming from? And I was like, well, no, like when we were growing up, there was just such a lack of knowledge of how words and actions impact. And I was like, I remember being 12 and people making comments about if I'm having a second piece of cake or my boat is coming in, you know, like it was just the norm for family to comment on stuff. And it's only yeah. now that we've, we've, we're as a society, I think becoming more aware of what's toxic and what's harmful that we're starting to unlearn those things. But it is such a weird space, just the journey people in their thirties would have traveled in terms of like being in a, in a time where media was at its most toxic and where, people were at its most toxic coming into this period of like unlearning and whatever. So it is just such a, an interesting space to occupy as a generation in time as we we try to unlearn stuff. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's very unique for our generation because my kids won't 
hopefully have to go through this process of unlearning. So I don't know, I'm really hopeful that the generation of children that are being raised now in the colored community, not as a blanket rule, but hopefully just even if it's a percentage, are being raised in a way that fosters that kind of um, self-awareness that, that we weren't really afforded. Mm. Yeah. I also, I wanted to say that I think that um, going back the the, the th- age 30s, like um, with colored and POC in South Africa, it's so interesting because we, our parents were all like deep in apartheid and we are like, we were, we, we kind of in apartheid, but we were like, you know, maybe in our like under 10 or just over 10 when, 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 when apartheid ended. So we have to kind of navigate that space where mm. we are like the first generation in our households to kind of like live in a free way where mm. you don't have to think and also what that means. So I think like, I, I think that people often <laughs> undermine what, you know, that gap that we had to fill in. Because you know we're not the born freeze, we're not the 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 steeped in apartheid generation. We are like the awkward Middle in between, trying yeah, trying to move between the two, and how that affects like the way we see ourselves, the way we see other people, the way we navigate work, life, dating, everything. Yeah. So, so guys, check out Skinner Becker podcast. Um, where can we find you guys? Everywhere there's a podcast stream. <laughs> so we're we on find YouTube, this Spotify. Yeah, yeah. All, yeah. The, all the regular spots. On that note, we've had like, this week in pop culture has been really strange because it's like, it was directed by, um, what's that guy that da- did the practice? David E. Kelly. And, and like, <laughs> um, what did he do? Ali McBeal, the practice, Big Little Lies. Yeah, very it's much law drama. Yeah. <laughs> all about law so um we were chatting about this a little bit before we started recording but we're currently in the midst of two big celebrity law cases but we're in the midst which means that every day is like a new shock and like oh my word I can't believe this happened and did you know about this and nobody knew about that so the two big cases right now is the defamation case that Johnny Depp has against Amber Heard you know because in her op-ed, she called him an abuser and he is saying that like that has, you know, done damage to him and, you know, his brand and whatever. And at the same time, we have Black China chewing, chewing, suing the Kardashians um, because she's saying that, you know, it's because of them that Robin China season two was canceled and she had a loss of income. So, you know, both of it, it's kind of similar as that it's both like a, you know, uh, because of this person and change in whatever we are, we have a loss of income, whatever, whatever. So, yeah, it's like, I don't know. I don't know where to start. Let's start with Johnny and Amber because i just seen so many different takes and so many different opinions that I'm like, <laughs> I could almost, ma- like, it almost makes me weary. Like, I don't, I don't like to make a judgment too quickly. So I'm always mm. like, I like to step back and, you know, also, I always feel like you never know everything that's going on in a situation. So, yeah. I mean, it's been a wild ride. It's and so uncomfortable. 
<laughs> I feel like on some hands, like we always say, like we must believe victims, and that's always been my my stance. It's like if you say this, then I, that's what I believe because I want I want to believe that you're telling me the truth. And in the beginning, when the trial started, I saw so much footage and mostly on TikTok, to be honest, of like just Mm. different snippets of the trial. Like one of the ones that I found was really moving was his neighbor and childhood friend who came to testify on behalf of him. And this man was crying and he was saying like, all he really wants is for both Johnny and Amber to go their separate ways and find happiness. But it was so moving and emotional and compelling. And I was like, yo, what did he witness? What Mm. like, to get to this point and sit in a courtroom, like bawling your eyes out saying all of this, it must have been really horrible. But then the other day I read this thread that I think it was on Twitter. It was very neutral in terms of the presentation of the facts, but it Mm. made me feel like, have I actually been gaslit by TikTok and like what I would normally have thought to be true is no longer true because it's Johnny Depp and I want to believe that um, this, that like this representation of the facts of him being abused is the truth. And after I read the thread on Twitter, I was like, "Mm, he is one of the greatest actors of our time. Is this just like a very elaborate lie? And are we watching this whole entire all intents and purposes scam play out on TV and on social media where the world is rallying behind this man who Mm. in his own way has also had a very scary history of abuse. Um, So I, I don't know. The whole, I feel very confused and conflicted. I don't know what's true. Yeah. It's, it makes me uncomfortable. Mm. Yeah. And I know what you mean just because I, I mean, I remember because, yeah, these allegations have been going on for years. So I remember when the Australia thing hit tabloids and it was like her and the dog and he's injured and how he cowers behind her. Yeah. And like, like there was very definitely a skew towards she's abusing him. And like, that was the last I remember from the story. But like you said, in, in reading a thread that actually laid out the timeline and was just like, here was incident one, here was incident two. Firstly, I didn't realize how long it had been. So the fact that yeah. it was like from 2012. Before they were married. The way, yes. Yeah. The fact that she said yes after it was abusive. The fact that like there were these texts and 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 like records of things having taken place that just alluded to the fact that they were toxic towards each other. Um, mm. And I think the fact that they both came from abusive homes and, and abusive histories um, you very much get the sense that some people just bring out the worst in each other instead of the best. Mm. And I like, sure. that's, that's the one thing I think I can, like, I know I can say that. Um, I don't think they, they did each other any favors who was right and who was wrong. I, it's, it's just, it's all so messy, but I definitely think so messy. we, we do tend to give grace to, someone you want to view as a hero so I think like Mm. because Johnny was the more well-known guy because he's technically someone we grew up with from like Edward Suzanne's to Sweeney Todd to Pirates of the Caribbean you want to like him you want to believe the best Mm. in him and so you would automatically come to his defense whether you're right or wrong because you have a bias and I think that's also something just to 
I think everyone needs to be aware of, no matter how you feel about her or them, sure. you have an, a bias that you're not cognizant mm-hmm. of. I also think like the the nature of the allegations against her is so terrible. Like when he was talking about her withholding his medication, um, it's very easy to have an emotional response to that, especially if mm. if you can relate to it. And it's hard to, to hear stories like that and think, oh, she couldn't be in the wrong or she, it, it's not abuse or I mean, there's obviously very clearly like an abusive pattern happening, mm. but is it is it what we think it is? Is it on the same level as like what what had she been on the receiving end of? Um, it's very it's a very uncomfortable discussion. I think. I also mm. think with Johnny Depp being like this, like you say, this person that we've kind of been raised with through all the many films throughout the years, you do, you really do want to believe that he's not lying, that it is, it is actually the way that it's been presented. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think for me, the most shocking part, sorry, Karen, the most shocking part is like the reference of Paul Bettany. And I was just like, because <laughs> I, I wanted to like you. You, yeah. you were vision. We like you. But then you see the text and you're like, why is this guy's name cropping up all the time? Like, mm-hmm. how complicit were you in all of this is just, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting as the, the trial continues and who else ends up coming to the fore in terms of being around. For sure. I just, no, I just wanted to say that, um, that I think in life we, we, we are accustomed to always, there has to be a hero and a villain. But life is not that clear. You know, mm. the heroes have traces of villainy. The villains have traces of heroics. You know, everybody has a good and bad side. So I think that the, the struggle that, like the uncomfortability that we all feel is that we want to champion somebody. But the more information we find, there's nobody to champion because they both yeah. seemingly have you know abusive and the whole point of the case is that johnny is wants to wants them to say that he's he wasn't abusive and probably in his head he didn't think what he was doing is was abusive that's a Mm. that's i mean a lot of abusers do but i think it's becoming more and more clear that he was abusive whether she was abusive back or whether she was also abusive to him is a totally different story that's not on trial what's Mm. on trial is whether he was abusive so that you know that's the defamation case. And I, I mean, as I said, I, I, I try to withhold judgment, but like the more and more, the more I'm listening, the more I'm seeing that this is, this, this seems like it's a, it's not going to work out. And if, and I think for him, the best, the best strategy is, um, you can see I watch a lot of law shows. The best strategy is to get the, like <laughs> the public sympathy to like, you know, like, you know, the public and the jury, I mean, it's American court, so the jury, like, you know, people like him. Getting them on his side is what he needs to do because the facts are showing that he definitely, you know, he's reasoning, whatever, but he definitely abused her too. Yeah. Um. So, so yeah, so I think that, that that's a strategy on his part and, you know, it's working because I've seen all the TikToks and the tweets that are very strangely constructed being like it's you know super skewed you know like you can direction see, yeah 
yeah. justice for Johnny hashtags and yeah yeah all the fan accounts I also think like it's so fascinating so I think Nikki you alluded to it earlier like it's very tricky in these situations because you want to go I believe victims but if you're trying to decide who the victim is it gets a little bit blurry um, and I think like the thing that's been sticking with me as I've been like pondering this whole situation is just keeping in mind that when you're seeing snippets, these are both actors. Mm. And I know it's a weird thing to say, but it really does come down to like a character. And I know it's horrible because you're supposed to believe woman because it shouldn't be about character because then it's very easy to, to disregard one statement based on history that is not relevant but it really does, in situations like this, boil down to which character you're going to buy into, who's more believable, who comes across as most trustworthy. Um, and I think like when you realize that and then you see them on the stand and you see the snippets and you see how things get taken out of context, you see how it actually doesn't become about the facts. It comes about trying to be the most likable or trying yeah. to be the most believable. And it's just like that's a whole other other mm. thing but like it, it's why as as just the commoner watching everything unfold it's so tricky to to know where to draw mm. a line it's true and I think like something that hasn't been that discussed in the public space is the substance abuse side of it because you can't ignore that Johnny is a raging drug addict and alcoholic and someone who has had that history during the period of abuse we're talking about he we can't expect clarity on his side in terms of recollection mm. of events because if you were high off your face on cocaine and drunk, how can we properly take your word of the events as the fact because you were inebriated? And secondly, like I think it also really skews your not your actions because I don't want to say like people who are addicts are more prone to be abusive because that's not true but it skews the the reality of the situation so mm -hmm. you can say like you were not aggressive but you can only speak from your point of view because you were also high so your ability to properly judge situations is is deeply flawed and that's something that I think as the public, we should also take into consideration because it isn't being profiled that much in the media, but his substance abuse, I mean, could have contributed perhaps, I don't know, that's something for a psychologist to say, but definitely would have skewed his ability to recollect things accurately, in my opinion. I find it so funny how like, normalized we are to because like, we we do gloss over the drugs and alcohol we're just like yeah that's normal right like they're, yeah. they're no, it's fine you just did it. like a whole brick of cocaine and drank <laughs> sure. three bottles of whiskey we'll take your word for it must be yeah, the like truth just, yeah but that's a normal thing that people do right like we're just like so normalized to stuff and you actually forget to take it into account yeah yeah it is I was going. I was going to like segue onto Black China and and the Kardashians, but that trial is just as messy. So I don't know if sure. anybody wants has any comment on that, other than the fact that did you see Black China says that she tried to choke Rob with a telephone cord as a joke? 
What? Oh no, and again. <laughs> the thing she said about yeah, the and she, and she was like, hanging. That was part of the game they were playing. She was like, ah, if he leaves me, I'll kill him. Ha 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 ha. It was a joke. I was like, oh. And he knew it was a Who joke. Who makes those kind of jokes? That's crazy. No, I, I have just one thing to say, and that is around the the revenge porn side of it. I think mm. it was yesterday that I was reading she left the courtroom in tears because the Kardashians lawyer had a folder of her nudes that he presented to her while she was on the stand. And I think like of the many things happening in this trial, and there's so much that I haven't even really read about, I find mm. the way that the Kardashians are acting like Rob didn't do something incredibly disgusting and I mean, it is a form of abuse as well. It's just so sad. Like, it's just being glossed over to the point where, like, a whole file, file, lever arch file, is given over as evidence in a case. Yeah, it's just, it's crazy. I don't think, though, like, in my opinion, I don't see her really winning winning this lawsuit mm. because I don't think, not that it it's not what happened, but I, I don't see how she can prove that they had a, a hand to play in cancelling um, Rob in China. It was a really sh- shitty show. Like, it was really boring. <laughs> and the ratings reflect the truth. <laughs> it was so bad. Uh, I didn't watch it. I was like, I didn't even know it had I watched, like, the first supposed- four episodes. <laughs> yeah. I think, good. like something like that is like what would be good on paper like it'd probably be so messy it's like i watched caitlin caitlin jenner's show as well i know also found a boy horrible so boring so boring i was like there's something about the kardashians why they work but their peripherals like even the um what is kim's friend the pr guy he also had his own show um that that jonathan Jonathan. guy yeah jonathan also boring like it's their shows are the ones that work because they are the are the selling point. And and I and I don't think that should be taken for granted as well. I think when people dismiss the Kardashians, they often act like, you know, they just by luck became famous. I'm like, there's something about mm-hmm. them that 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 pulls in audiences that makes you want to watch. I mean, so many other people have had reality shows, but none none have been as co- like, you know, long. and yeah. sucked in people the way they have. And yeah. yeah, I think that. So yeah, shame. Poor Robin. I also think that they're so natural. Like they, even though a lot of their show is probably scripted, that it doesn't feel scripted when you're watching it. Like it's very easy mm. to get sucked into the drama of it because it feels like you're watching like through a secret camera in someone's house. Whereas the peripheral shows, like with Robin China and um, Caitlyn Jenner and any of the others, it, it feels forced. It feels scripted. It yeah. doesn't have that like natural, like we're witnessing someone's life. It feels like this is performative and you're just putting on a big show because the cameras are there, like highly dramatized. Um, mm. Yeah. So also in other news, Lizzo recently released uh, her own clothing line, which people have been like going crazy for. Like I've seen so many TikToks and um, tweets about it. So Nikki, I know you quite into the fashion world. And what do you think about this? Well, I am super excited. I went on the website yesterday to 
I can't order anything yet because it's not payday for me yet, but I would like to order some stuff. And I just, I think it's so nice. Like the designs are nice, but the response from people that I've seen on TikTok of people doing try-ons has made Mm. me so excited because what I love about Lizzo is that she is obviously this body positive icon or, um, and that's a, a concept that we can talk about for hours, but I love that she doesn't make a thing of it. Like she's not going mm. like, I'm a body positive. She's just her. She's got, this is her body. This is how she dresses. And I mean, I always say to people, my body is the least interesting thing about me. Like, I don't want to ever stand on a soapbox and be like, I am X, Y, or Z. And in that way, perhaps I fit more into like the body neutral way of thinking. Mm. Um, Lizzo's clothing line is, it's exciting. And I'm really glad that she did it because for her to partner with um, Fabletics, they, I don't know if you guys have ever seen their stuff. They have really, really nice active wear. And in South Africa, especially, there is no real brand that is taking up the space of active wear for plus size people. And it's this assumption that like, maybe because you're already fat, you wouldn't want to buy that, but it's, it's, it's so, it's so flawed and people of Mm. every size deserve every kind of offering. It's just really refreshing to see. And I think the designs are really fun as well. I love that she has a branded band. Um, Mm. It's so cute. No, I'm I'm a huge Lizzo stan. So everything she does, yay, (laughs) except her hyping up of Chris Brown. That's not good. (laughs) <laughs> but everything else is a yay for me. I also like that it's not the the typical celebrities when we think of like fashion brands, um, yeah. you know, and like not that Lizzo isn't fashionable. I'm just saying like you know normally when they want to 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 partner with celebs like brands, they usually go with like the skinny fashionista type Zendaya type looking, you know, totally, and. And the fact that it's Lizzo who, you know, who for so many, you know, not only like her size and the way she dresses, but also like her music resonates with a lot of people. Her personality resonates with a lot of people. Like, exactly. you know, people are saying like, like the way white women love Lizzo is <laughs> is hilarious. <laughs> and it is like she's sort of like gone over all the general like boxes that yeah. people try to put her in. And I just think that she's such a natural fit for like, this is the person you should be partnering with. I'm not that Zendaya is not. I love Zendaya. But I mean, like, you know, it's just, she's different to think of. But I mean, she is, she has been there and she has been like, and so many people love her. And she's such a good person for people to to partner with. And I'm glad that they're doing this. Especially for something like Shapeway. Like, I mean, very much so. Like, I always still love Mm. Sorry, Karen. No, I was just going to say that it's just um, to partner with Fabletics as well, because often you see celebrities doing these like clothing launches and it's with a company like Target or um, Mm. Nordstrom or some like big department store. And you just know like the quality is going to be average. I mean, look at all of the Kardashian Kylie's entire like skims has seemed to be okay, but this Kylie swim was Mm. horrific Um, but Fabletics is I mean they've been open for decades they're an amazing brand they make such great active wear I've bought things from them Um, Mm. 
it's just nice because you know you're going to get something that yes it was designed by Lizzo but it's being made by an industry leader which I also mm. think is sometimes something that's a bit lacking on these celebrity um, brand launches. Yeah, it's mm. not a, it's not just a quick buck scheme. It's actually yeah. something that's yeah. quality, that's worth putting your name to, and that's worth yeah. your fans investing in type of thing. Totally. Mm. And I love the marketing shot she put out and that it's like every different kind of body is represented. Yeah. looks so fun. Oh, so happy for her, and I'm so happy for this. This is very exciting. So, Nikki, we're going to have to ask you the question we ask everybody, but okay, who, is your, <laughs> who is your first celebrity crush? So easy to answer, and I <laughs> was so happy when I saw this question. It was Patrick Swayze, ah, which I know is like a little bit weird, but I, my sisters and I sneakily watched Dirty Dancing um, when I was very young. And I sometimes say it was a sexual awakening, but I don't know how true that is. But I was very young. I think I was like nine or 10 when I watched it. And my mom didn't know she was out and our nanny was out. And we just put the videotape in and we started watching it. And I was like mesmerized by the dancing (laughs) and the romance. And I think I had like the biggest store crush on Patrick Swayze after that for a very long time, like well into my teens. He was like (laughs) it for me. Don't blame you. That is a good first crush, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. also because it's such a good movie. Like, if whenever I feel down, I usually watch that or The Bodyguard. (laughs) Like, those, oh, Ah. God, don't even get me started. And Kevin Costner's also Ah. up there. (laughs) He's such a dreamboat. (laughs) Nikki, Nikki, was this, this answer was designed for me. What do you mean? (laughs) (laughs) Patrick Sazie and Kevin Costner. (laughs) Two, two my two loves. (laughs) Oh god, nobody puts baby in a corner. Um, so let's get on to let's get on to crushing on. So crushing on is a feature where we talk about one thing that we've watched, read, listened to this week that we are currently crushing on. So as our guest, Nikki, we'll let you go first. Sure. Um, so. so watching, I just started watching Russian Dolls season two, and. I am very much crushing. It is so good. Um, Season one I found was very hard for me to get into in the beginning. Like the first few episodes, I didn't didn't feel like it was – one of those seasons where I was just going to consume it. And it was, it was good, but only like, yeah, the first two episodes I struggled. I was like, what is this? Why am I watching it? But season two is, yeah, it's very good. And I am feeling like I might just like dive in and finish the whole thing today. Hopefully (laughs) my kids are gone. So it's very possible. Um, And then books have been, I read a lot. eh? I read more than I watch TV, which is, It is what it is. And I tend to read a lot of like fantasy. Um, I just finished this book. um, It's the second installment of the Crescent City series by Sarah J. Mars, which also, I mean, I finished it a while ago and then I reread it because I couldn't believe the ending. That's also still reeling through my brain. (laughs) So definitely crashing on those two. Okay. Leanne? Um, Yeah, same for... Russian Doll season two. I'm obsessed with Natasha Leone. The style, the fact that she's written and directed a couple of the episodes and like her acting is phenomenal. 
yeah, no. Uh, I also only got about halfway and then the week got ahead of me. So hoping to to finish it this today, hopefully. Um, and then the other thing I'm crashing on is a podcast called um, Conviction. Uh, they do seasons and each season kind of focuses on a, on a case. And this is season three and it's the disappearance of Naseba Hassan. I'm about halfway through because it's, like I said, it's about uh, a couple of episodes and it's just so enthralling. It's basically about this woman who disappeared. And the only reason the story, like she was only reported as missing nine years after the fact. And the reason for that, we still unclear. And the only reason we know about the story is because she had a daughter that was given up for adoption. And the daughter in her teen years was a like, committed to trying to find her mom and in trying to find her mom realized something is very very off and so contacted a journalist to try and figure out what happened to her mother and then the journalist kind of went on this journey of trying to figure out what happened to Naseba and why did she disappear where did she go why did it take so long for people to realize she was actually missing um, or before they reported it and it's just so gripping so yeah, I'm I'm in the middle of that. It's on it's on Spotify and it's called Conviction: The Disappearance of Naseba Hassan. I've been watching Bel Air, the remake of the Fresh the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, mm, and it's like it? a, it's really interesting. Like it it feels very much like a teen drama. Like I think it's a point, but um, but like I keep forgetting. I think I think maybe this is a good thing, but I mean I keep forgetting that it's based on the on like the nineties comedy. Like there's obviously the family's still the same. They're still Uncle Phil, they're still Aunt Viv and Hillary and Ashley and Carlton. But the characters are very different to who they were on in but like not I mean, I don't know. I wanna say they have the same jobs and like Hillary's like an influencer and stuff, but they're just like a lot more serious. Mm. Like Carlton is a is a academic. I'm academic. Yeah, he's like a uh, like a like an overachiever, but he's like uh, like you know like like coke snorting, like you know that uh, kind uh, of like need to get my work done. It's like it's like the gritty reboot of Fresh Prince of But like I don't know, I'm very into it. I I think that it they they did a good job really of good like <laughs> of like making their own. So it is the same thing. Like we'll get into a fight and. But it's not made to be comedic. It's like he gets in a fight in Philadelphia. There's a gun. He gets arrested. The gang members want to come after him, so he has to leave for his own safety. And it's like that is sort of what happened in the show, in the in like the original show. But like, if that had to happen in real life, it wouldn't have been funny. Yeah. So mm. you know, and like then he goes to ballet, and Uncle Phil is like he's like running for district attorney. So it's like he's like he's very like serious about his political thing. And Hillary has to like being a. What does it mean to be a black influencer? Do you have to like forego your culture in order to work with brands? And like that was very interesting. And yeah, it's just yeah, I, it's just so like I actually really enjoy it. I don't know what the reviews are like if it got mixed reviews or whatever. I haven't heard much, but um, but yeah. So I've been really crushing on that. Um, it's it's quite a. It's giving me very much like 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 CW. <laughs> One tree, you know, that kind oh, of vibe. Oh, okay, that's very much my vibe. So I might watch yeah. it as well. <laughs> yeah, no, I think everyone I've spoken to who's watched it has been, like, disappointed. But only because oh. they're comparing it to the original. Like, they're not giving it a chance yeah. to be its own thing. 
And I think too many people are obviously hung up on like the way Will Smith portrayed the character. So they, they were wanting that as opposed to like, no, let's actually do or go with the story mm. and make it meaningful and give it depth and nuance and all the rest of it. Not that the original and- Fresh Prince didn't have that because there were episodes in the original yeah. Fresh Prince that mm. were deep. Like mm. they made a lot of great social commentary at the time. Yeah. They just covered it up with a lot of humor. So people kind of, it was easy mm. to gloss over. But like we and- recently rewatched it and I cried. There were so many episodes where you just like end up crying or mm. thinking about life. So. And I think the original also kind of glossed over the fact that, you know, what does it mean to be a rich black family in Los Angeles? And, and I mean, like, I think it would be kind of tone deaf to make a show like that now without actually getting to like, you know, the intricacies of what that means. And yeah. if somebody coming from a poor neighborhood, like, you know, to move to that. And I think the guy that plays Will has a similar energy to Will Smith. Like when he's charming and stuff, he has a kind of like silly goofiness. But he's just more serious because he's seen a lot, and he's you know mm. he's 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 in a difficult like precarious position like whatever. So you know I I enjoy it. Um, I haven't finished a season yet, so I don't know as it goes on. But it's been renewed for a second season, so uh, so it has to have done pretty okay. But yeah, um, <laughs> that's my vibe. So thank you, Nikki, so much for joining us. This was a lovely chat. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, we'll be back next week again. Today's episode is brought to you by Syntec. Syntec is a technology company that sources and distributes industry-leading products and brands from around the world. Me, you can find at Karen Walby on Instagram, at Karen Walby's with an S on Twitter, and sign up for my newsletter, Wildstreams at wildstreams.substack.com. The podcast can be found at Crushing On Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. You can find us at What's IGN Crushing On on YouTube. And you can find more information about this and all our other episodes on our website, crushingonpodcast.com. Send any feedback to mail at crushingonpodcast.com. And you can send us voice notes at plus two seven seven eight. 362-2566. Join our Facebook group, Crushing on Club, where we chat about the show, celebrity news, recommendations, the whole shebang. The show is produced by me, Karen, as well as Rebecca Barchers and Leanne Philipson. The show is edited by Rebecca Barchers. Our logo was designed by Nathifa Maruf, and the show was created in partnership with IGN Africa. If you like the show, tell everyone that you can, any way that you can. Keep up to date with episodes by subscribing to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate and review the episodes on Apple Podcasts, as it helps others to find the show. We'll be back next week with another in-depth conversation with a pop culture lover. See you then. See you then.